I think one of the best ways to deal with pressure is just knowing you've given it your 100%. You haven't taken shortcuts, you haven't missed sessions, you know, like that. With that, helps to release pressure for sure as well. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. It is number 62 on the podcast. I'm so wrapped to be back here with each and every one of you. Wherever you're listening in from right now, welcome. Newcomers, welcome. Thanks for everyone's support. We really, really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed last episode with Mary. She was an absolute beaut to have on the show for anyone who's struggling or having a hard time in their relationship right now or wants to get a better understanding of how to maybe help manage one or make it better, I definitely urge you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already listened to episode 61 with Mary where she talks about the messiness of relationships and how to improve them. That being said, I hope the relationships you all have with yourself are definitely working well. I hope they're going in the right direction. As always, if there's any problems or any questions or any issues that you may have, feel free to reach out to the living team. We're always happy to point you in the right direction so that you can get the support that you need. Like always, it ain't weak to speak. Well, as we wrap up our healthy state of mind competition, I hope you guys have all been keeping a healthy state of mind or doing the best job you can. Very important that we prioritize our health and wellness no matter what we are doing with our life because at the end of the day, having a really solid mindset and you know having the strength and the strategies and and all of that great stuff can really help you out if you are going down a bit of a bad situation or the rabbit hole, so to speak. So don't ever take those things for granted because the mental health plays the most important part, I believe, in our life's mission and success. That being said, I'm very excited to bring on our next guest onto the podcast. This is episode number 62, and I'm going to be welcoming on today Matt Paul. Some of you may know him if you're listening in from the Gold Coast in Australia. At 32 years of age, Maddie is the oldest competitor to take part in the Surf Life Saving Championship, otherwise known as the Nutrigrain Series. But this seasoned Ironman veteran still has a thing or two to teach his young competitors. Paul is entertaining his 14th year as a professional Ironman, and he's still finishing at the very top. Having taken out first place in round two of the 2019-2020 neutral grain and standing on the final podium in the third overall, Paul has seven race wins next to his name and was the 2016-2017 neutral grain Ironman champion. Now, I talked to Maddie about all things health, fitness, his strategies, his plans, what he thinks about when he's at the starting line about to race. Some of you may not know what an Ironman series is. It comprises of run, swim, board, and a ski leg. Now, in order to ace this sport, so to speak, you have to be an all-round player. You have to be strong. You have to be agile. You have to be flexible. You got to be fit mentally and physically. 
So I really want to get into Maddie's brain about some of those training strategies that he employs for his life and for his everyday, I guess, goals, but also most importantly, what he also does when he's not training and how important recovery is for his strength when it comes to racing in the Ironman. I also asked Matt about what he's doing post-career. He now, he just recently announced that he's actually retiring as a professional Ironman. And I wanted to really talk to him about what his future looks like and what he's got planned. Now, he's also an ambassador for athletic sport. Now, I talked to him about what that involvement is like and what it's going to mean for him moving forward when he leaves the professional arena. Some of you might know Matt from his recent engagement with Tammy Hembrow, which was quite public. And he's also got an amazing baby on the way, which is impending. So there's a lot of good stuff happening for Matt. He's already achieved so much in the sport itself. And he's also represented Australia very, very well. We cover a lot of ground in this episode, so you don't want to miss it. I'm very excited to have him on because he's a great man doing great things. Let's welcome him on. Well, I'm uh, joined here on the podcast by none other than Matty Paul on the Gold Coast of Australia. Firstly, thanks for taking the time to jump on the podcast with us. It's really cool to have you on. Looking forward to learning more about your career and everything else. When you talk about training, right, you go into the pool at Pizzy Park or you do some track running. Is it kind of like a high intensity session? Are they mixed every day? What's the training kind of look like for you? Same as like, I guess, all sports. It depends on the time of season that we're in. So pre-season for us, us is winter. Obviously, we're a summer sport racing through summer. So winter, we're doing a lot of volume, kilometers. It's just the absolute grind. That's where you basically build your, your base fitness to get yourself through summer. And then in summer, it's a lot of sort of speed work, race specificity, you know, race distances, and you're working on speed and power. And, and obviously, when you're coming up to a race week, you're trying to freshen up and feel good. And then after a race week, you're trying to recover and lighten the load and, and get the body feeling good. So we actually raced five of the last six weekends. It was literally probably one of the biggest sort of workload of back-to-back racing that I've done in a very, very long time, if not ever. We finished last weekend, and then I had three complete days off. Literally the last two races, I was just on anti-inflammatories. I got tendinopathy in both shoulders and having a lot of troubles just from overuse injury of swimming and stuff like that with my shoulders. So I've been in a lot of pain the last probably month or so now. I literally took a lot of time, you know, three days off of doing nothing. And I've just started back doing a bit of active recovery or a bit of light work now before I sort of get back into it next week properly again. And you know, we'll have our, our Queensland state titles and then Australian titles, then our season will be finished. So it sounds like three days of break for you, that's kind of like unheard of. You wouldn't normally do that. No, no. So our normally our training week, we're in the pool four mornings a week. We'll do running or gym sessions. We'll do at least two or three runs a week and then we'll probably do two light gym sessions. They're not heavy gym sessions because it's not about sort of building muscle size. It's more strength and conditioning work. And it's a lot of sort of mobility stuff, things like that. It's not like a crazy heavy um, lifting weight sort of gym session. It's very different and specific to what we do. And then we're on either the boards or skis every afternoon. And then we have two key sessions every week. And they're the Ironman or Ironwoman sessions, Wednesday morning for us and Saturday morning where we tie it all together, the swim discipline, board discipline, ski discipline, and then we have running as well, sand running. So an average week for us is, yeah, four mornings in the pool, probably two to three run, two gym. We'll probably do two board, three ski and two iron sessions. 
So that's a full week, but obviously everything balances because of that sheer volume. And certainly now at 33, I can't do anywhere near as much quality work during that week. There's a lot of sort of, it's a lot of those sessions, I'll bring it right back to sort of 50 or 60% and make it skill-based or recovery, but certainly some of them are high intensity, hard sort of sessions. So our training week is yeah, Monday to Saturday and then Sundays we have off. That's in, in pre-season and, and most of the week if we're not racing is yeah, Monday to Fridays, you know, two, three sessions a day. Saturday, we have one Ironman session, and then we have Saturday Arbo and Sunday off. Oh, my goodness. This body of yours, mate, 33 years of age, you must be a bit tired, mate. You must be a bit cooked. It's definitely coming to an end, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. But, yeah, certainly it's been a good innings for me, but the body's sort of ready to call it for sure. Mate, I used to watch a lot of this back in the day. I used to live on the Gold Coast. I used to live in Burley and I've still got ties and connections there, obviously with living and family and friends. But mate, I remember years and years ago, I used to do nippers from North Burley Surf Club as a pink cap. And then I worked my way up and I used to love watching the Trevor Hendy days and then Kai Hurst was getting involved. And mate, here I am talking to Matty Paul on the podcast. Yeah, good. Fuck, it's a small world, man. It's a small world. But you know, when you're training, right, you say on the Saturdays you're doing the Ironman training. Is that doing all of it in one day, is it? Yeah, yeah. Every discipline you kind of do individually. So same as like a triathlon where they'll go and do a swimming session, they'll go and do a bike session, they'll go and do a run session, and then they probably do some sort of a triathlon session where they probably do tie all the three legs together. So that's what makes up the sport. What we do is Ironman of the swim, board, ski and run, but you can't just do every session as an Ironman session. It's too hard, too taxing. and to be honest, you need to do specific work nowadays in the sport. It's one of those multidiscipline sports where you can't afford to have a weak leg. Like your swim leg needs to be up to the standard, you know, almost of not Olympic swimmers, but like you're at a really, really high end swim sort of speed nowadays. I mean, guys like Kai Hurst that came into the sport, he was an Ironman for years. He also went to, you know, two Olympic Games as an open ocean water swimmer. Like that's the level of swimming that's in our sport. So you need to be swimming you know four mornings a week and and getting as fit and fast as you can that would be so challenging so what's your strength if you had to lay it all down is it swimming is it board ski run it's kind of weird for me like a lot of guys in the sport i would say a majority really have one leg or one discipline that is really strong and then the other two they're they're really good at sort of thing whereas i don't have one crazy strong leg i just have three very well balanced disciplines yeah i mean the swim probably my strongest of the three but i wouldn't go into say the surf races and win or anything like that in the ironman series i'd sort of be like i wouldn't have one leg where i'm the best at it but i reckon i'd be in the top four or five across all three legs you know so i've just got a good balance that's great man and so obviously you spend different amounts of time on each of the legs now you said you do a lot of pool swimming though but the Ironman's in the ocean. Would you do more pool swimming than ocean swimming, as in like working out and training and stuff? Or Yeah, definitely more pool swimming than ocean swimming. You take away all the elements, the variables and things like that, so you can focus more on technique. You can get more of an idea on where you're at in terms of you can use the clock, heart rate, things like that. So, yeah, pool swimming is where the sport will always sort of have your strength in your swim leg. Purely because of that, you know, in the, the swim, you can kind of go out, you can use ribs, you can body surf waves. There's a lot of things to sort of give you a, a misreading on where you're, you're actually at. But in the pool, it's, it's just honest hard work. If you're not swimming quick, the clock's going to show that. Mate, that's unreal. It's a fascinating sport because like most sports, it's kind of like you're just doing the one and you're relying on really 
nailing and being an expert at the one, but your field, for example, you're doing three, four things and you've got to really be good across the board in order to be a expert, I guess, in your field. You know, I look back and, and I remember watching the days of Kai Hurst. Now he was super strong in the ocean. People were like, well, if he's behind on the board or whatever, you just wait and he's in the ocean and he was like a fish. With the way you train and that, like what's your recovery look like? When you're taking a normal day off, not because you've got to take three days off because you're, you know, your body's sore and that, but is your recovery just as important as your training days? The recovery is huge now and certainly at the age I'm at now. One of the biggest things is with that workload, with that training that we're doing, fuel, nutrition, supplements, all those things are so important nowadays. And I've been really fortunate this season, I actually partnered up with Athletic Sport. They're here on the Gold Coast and, you know, the guys there are unreal and they've really helped me to sort of work on my electrolyte sort of during training protein post sessions or during the day you know at 33 it takes my body a lot longer to sort of recover and repair and if i've got back-to-back hard sessions or things like that nutrition and recovery is super key so athletic sport have been amazing with helping me to get through pre-season this year but then also through my racing we had as i said we had so many um, events back to back being able to sort of like turn that turn around quickly and, and get back to my 100 before the next weekend's racing has been super important. But on top of that, you're also working with a lot of other things like I've been doing a lot of work with TheraBody and that's, you know, whether it's massage devices, recovery air boots, you do hot, cold, contrast ice baths, things like that as well also playing a part of recovery. It's it's weird. Recovery is almost like the fifth discipline to like the the training program now. Certainly get older, you need it a lot more. When I was 25 or whatever, you used to finish a big racing weekend, have four or five beers, and then you'd wake up the next day feeling fresh. Gone are those days now. Now I just have 10 or 12 beers and uh, I wake up. <laughs> but I need to spend two or three days just doing recovery now and it's, it's everything. It's all the little bits. You know, you, you do have to be on top of your, your nutrition, your hydration, and then, you know, you need to go and do some hot, cold ice baths and you need to use the massage gun or recovery boots, all those things now. So it actually really does make a massive difference. Like when you're talking about recovery, it's almost like training in a way because you've got to do it, don't you? It's a non-negotiable now. When I was younger, like, I used to, as I sort of said, you know, the coach would be like, oh, I'll get in at the end of, you know, like a vendor of a race and go do a 1K active recovery swim down and go home, have a, you know, protein shake or whatever. And you'd be like, ah, whatever, worry about it later. And, and you could probably get away with it. But now definitely at 33, 15 years racing professionally, recovery is a non-negotiable for me now. And, and it's not even like I would, <laughs> I wouldn't not do it just because I just feel so shit the next day. I'm just like my knee joints, my shoulders, everything's just that sore. It just makes like hell if i don't yeah i can only imagine mate you, you go through a lot of training a lot of races and especially this time of year being in the in the peak season talk me through like you're at the front of the race line i'm really interested to get into your brain here just for a moment what goes through your mind man like what are you thinking about like obviously we all want to win and we want to be the best we can but like the minutiae do you look at the waves do you look at the rips are you looking at the guy next to you are you just focusing on your breath like what goes through your mind at these moments yeah, that's probably one of the most unique things about our sport. In a 100-metre running race, you compete against 7, 8, 9, whatever it is, other guys beside you, same as a 100-metre freestyle race in the pool. There's no or very little variables to affect yours, your performance over other people, right? But in our sport, it's actually the polar opposite. You have zero control, basically, over any of the other athletes you're competing against. You're actually just competing against Mother Nature. You're competing against the ocean. So not only are we racing against the guy beside you on the line, but you're sort of competing against um, the ocean as well because, as you know, with our sport, you can be the fittest, fastest, strongest, and you can be out in front, 
no waves come and the guy that's coming last gets that wave from the back of the field he comes through and beats you and he's no better than you or, or worse he just had the luck of the ocean and, and vice versa you can be at the back and get the lucky wave to come through to the front so one of the biggest things is blocking out the competition and the people beside you because you actually have no control over what they're doing and it's so important in life for people to sort of take that in the thing as well so many people sort of get caught up worrying about other people what they're doing for their life whether it be on social media and things like that people are just like so fascinated by everybody else's life and wondering what they're doing and wanting something that they don't have and it's like you put your blinkers on and you don't focus on anything or anyone else you just look at the surf you're looking for the fastest way to get out the back around the cans and then back to shore catch the wave and stuff like that so mother nature has no favorites either uh, you can sit there and, and be frustrated or hate that you know he got the wave she got the wave you did you didn't whatever but there's no favorites out there it's just position timing and there's definitely an element of luck but it is a really hard thing to mentally prepare for because sometimes you can do 100 of things right you could have made zero mistakes but still you get unlucky and you don't win or you lose a race, you know, and, and that's a tough life challenge to learn because people always are told you do the work, you do things right and you'll get the rewards. Well, not really the case in our sport. Sometimes you can do all the work, you can do all the right things and you can still just get fucked by a bad wave and, and yeah, it's game yeah. over. 100% man. I feel like that's the case with some things in life too. And I really am glad you mentioned the whole, you know, putting your blinkers on and just focusing on the things that you can control and kind of have a plan for your own lane and your own life. Because I feel like too often we get caught up with worrying about, like you mentioned, what people are doing, why are they on that journey? Why are they getting all these great things happening to them and why not me? And how can I be good looking like them? Or how can I do this like them? It's debilitating. And it's a very toxic vortex that people get stuck in, which is quite regular these days, especially with things like social media or you know, the public image that people personify most of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm firsthand to it, like a life that's very much sort of open and, in, you know, relationships that are very open and out there for social media and stuff like that. And, yeah, I mean, someone sort of said that to me the other day and I, I found it so funny. It's like the more successful you are, the more haters you get. And it's funny because it means you're doing something right, you know, and it's a hard thing to sort of adjust or, or get set to. But if you're not doing things right or you're not doing things well, Nobody's going to talk about you. Nobody sort of cares. And it feels like that sometimes. But if you are successful or doing things, you also get a lot more fans and you're getting a lot more love and stuff like that or recognition for things you've been successful in. But you're also getting a lot of people that are going to come out to try and bring you down or, or whatever. And it's just a funny medium now in social media that anybody's accessible to talk to you, reach out to you or write something, make a comment about something. And it can be based on absolutely zero facts. And it can ruin your day sometimes because there's some pretty nasty and horrible shit on social media these days. It is funny that like, yeah, the more success you have, the more haters you're going to get. Yeah, mate, I agree. It's unfortunate, but again, I think the stronger and the more focus that we put on our own lives and the values and the people in our life that we care about. The same as real life. It's like you need to have a good close friend circle and things like that, but put your blinkers on and not worry about other people that opinions aren't warranted or that, that you're not worried about you know what i mean because they're not going to control which day unless you let it if you're going to read what they're saying about you or people are doing you know and you're going to sit at home and have a shit day well then that was your choice to do that you're controlling that you know so i think it's important in life and in, and in our sport racing you put the blinkers on and you focus on yourself yeah 
Totally agree, mate. I love those words of advice to, you know, carry over from what you've learned in sport to, to real life. Just before we transition on to, you know, the big announcement that you've made just recently about your career and whatnot, what's been the biggest highlight of your career? What's been a defining moment where you've gone, fuck, I've, I've really done it. I've really achieved my childhood goals or my childhood dreams. I would say for sure the biggest highlight of my career was winning my first and only um, Nutri-Grain Professional Ironman Series title in 2017. Ten years in the series and I'd won many races before that. I'd had finished on the podium, you know, four or five times prior to that. Literally in 2010-11, I finished second overall in the series to Shannon Exton by one point, literally lost it in the last race. And then, you know, trying years and years and years and as I sort of said, there's so many years where like you get close and then bad waves or things go wrong or you bad luck and it's just like to win a series title is the ultimate sort of thing of just consistency, consistency and, and luck. You need luck as well. And finally for me in 2017 that happened. I literally ended up in a sprint up the beach against Shannon next time and I beat him by one point, did him what he did to me more or less in 2011. That was my 10th year in the Ironman series and, and I got my um, series win. So that was, that was the highlight of my career for sure. Like that was something that you you kind of like, you know, as a little kid when you're doing surf life saving or nippers, whatever you, you dream about, you know, things like that and but you just don't even believe it. It's so far like a distant dream and then to sort of have that come to fruition was just, yeah, wild. It was crazy. It's amazing. And congratulations on that again, mate. And congratulations on an absolute epic career. I mean, you've won a bunch of races, you've been on the podium, you've won the championship. It's transition time. So talk to me through the through the announcement, mate, in these last couple of races you've had the last couple of weeks. One of my good mates actually was at your last race and said that he was he's seen you sprinting up the sand, mate, and you just got nabbed. What happened? Talk to me. It felt all right. You know, this year was my 15th year racing in the professional Nutrigrain series, 33 now. And the body isn't what it used to be. Motivation starts to take its toll as well. And I've had a great run. I've, I've been very fortunate and I've had a great career. So I, I made the decision literally the week before the last weekend of the Nutrigrain Ironman series. These were going to be my last couple of events racing. So I was going to finish with doing the, the Nutrigrain Ironman series where we had um, four rounds back to back, which was a huge weekend. And then the following weekend, we had the Summer of Surf Shore and Partners Series, and that was our last round. And then coming up, I'll have Queensland State titles and Aussie titles, and that'll be it. But I've always loved racing in the, the pro series that's, you know, where you're kind of there racing for yourself and no one else, and that's kind of your identity of who you are or what I've been as, you know, Matt Poole, the Ironman, through my career. Yeah, went into that Nutri-Game weekend, and it was tough, and Got into my very last and final race. It was my 90th Nutrigrain Series race on the Sunday last one, yeah. And it was massive surf at Curra. We just, yeah. How big was it? It was big. Like, I was close to cancelling it. It was, yeah, it was a good six foot plus. It was massive. Yeah, went through the entire race and I was out in front with the two other blokes and literally went out on the final board leg and, and I got out the back first. I had to come down to the can and I met one of the other blokes, Benny Carberry, at the um, can and we, Ended up turning, heading back to beach. And oh, fuck. We both got, I almost got on this way ball. And this is the last up. leg? This is the last, last leg? leg? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's super quick up the beach as well. So I was kind of like, I need to get my own wave here. And almost got on my own wave. And we ended up both getting on it. And I was like, oh, no. So it was, it was a massive wave. We rode it all the way from the back to the beach. And I was trying to get away from him and trying to give myself, like, you know, move him over and trying to little tricks, I guess, trying to give myself a better line to the run up the beach and 
I got off and across the hard sand, I actually had a really good get off and took off and I put like five metres on him. Everyone reckons I had it for sure. And sure enough, he was just, he's so quick. And once we hit that soft sand right before the last turn, he pulled up beside me and then got inside me and he ended up getting me. So my last race, I, I lost if I lifted a couple of metres and um, I wanted that win more than anything for sure. It would have been like an ultimate sort of finish. But to even be in that race was like, given the surf conditions that day, it was just insane. Like Matt Bevelacqua, who finished second overall in the series, got knocked out in the first race. He, he took like a 14th or a 15th. So that kind of gives you an understanding of just how big it was. Like he'd raced top two, top three all series. And then, yeah, he had a shocker in the last race, just purely based on big surf size. So that gives a bit of context to it also. To be in that sprint finish for the win at the end was, was unreal. And then the next weekend was the Sean partners some of surf's shannon Eckstein race it's a 15 minute sort of ironman race or whatever and it's 20 grand for first prize and last year i was out in front leading literally this fella got away from the back and we ended up in a sprint up the beach and i lost it i got second oh, in the sprint no. up the beach last year so that was like heartbreaking last year and um I went into this year, same thing, same as the Nutrient. It was massive surf. Probably the big, it was even bigger than the weekend. No why? How big? 10 foot? Oh, I reckon at least six to eight feet. But it was at North Cliff and none of the boys warmed up on their skis before because it's just, you know, a bit risky and, and stuff for the race. But me and Bevy, my mate, went out on the skis and we got out the back, but like some of the sets out the back were just like, and I didn't say anything to anyone because I wanted to race. I didn't want him to call it off. So I was like, oh, no, it's all good. It's fine out there. But it was so sure enough, we did the race and I was out in front and literally jumping on the last leg. Same thing, went out on my ski. And I ended up literally just like going for it to paddle out. And these massive sets came up and I only just climbed over these things. But when I got out the back, I looked over and Bevy, the guy that's literally my best mate and, and you know, I've trained and raced along, alongside in the last 10 years. He got out as well and I was like, no, he's so quick up the beach. And it was literally like a replay of last year and also the weekend, the weekend before. before. Like, You'd have been just going, fuck, what's going on? No, don't haunt me. And we turned, we got off the can and he um, got a little runner off the can and had a little lead and this big wave picked up and, and I ended up taking it and I ended up holding it the whole way to the beach and he came sideways right in the shoreline. So I ended up winning. So Happy days. How good is that? My last ever professional series race and I got the win this time and the money. Well, congrats on that, mate. It sounds like, mate, you've had a wonderful career and you've recently engaged and you're going to be a father, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, yep. Really excited about being a dad. There's new challenges, new experiences. Part of the, I guess, plays a big part in the retirement decision. I'm really excited to become a dad for sure. Obviously, I'm not a father, mate. I've Obviously, you and I have both got plenty of friends, especially the boys up on the northern beaches. Most of them have all got families. What's the planning like? You know how you, you go into your training, right? And you, you're training for your big events and, and you go to the gym and you put it in. Like, what sort of training have you been doing for, for bringing a, another person into the world? Like, what goes into this, man? Talk to me. I mean, I'm definitely excited, but slightly nervous about the challenge for sure. I'm pretty lucky Tammy, Tammy's already got two kids. So, you know, that's been great for me to have a bit of a learning experience or a foot in the door there on how it is with kids and, and they're great. So other than that, I haven't 
really done a great deal of training on winging it sort of thing. Probably the best way to go, eh? Just go in. I've been asking a lot of my mates and stuff and they're like, mate, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. They keep telling me it'll be fine. So we'll see how we go. Hopefully I'm a quick learner. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm sure you will be. But that's a real game changer, though, bringing another person in your life you've got to worry about and look after and nurture and stuff. So I'm sure you transition from, you know, professional sports and you're going to still be involved in training and all that. You're not just going to stop training and all that, are you? No, no. I think training is part of my lifestyle. Health, fitness is part of my lifestyle. The surf club, surf life saying is part of my lifestyle. So I'll definitely still be involved with the boys down there at Northcliffe. That's the club I race and train with good bunch of kids and stuff like that and I really do enjoy it so more than anything it'll probably just become a bit more of a social thing for me I'll turn up training good to catch up with everyone and everything else but it won't be my sole purpose it won't be my entire existence is is racing and performing and being you know the best the fastest yeah exactly so it's probably going to take a little bit of pressure off yourself mate for a bit so you can focus on something else yeah i'll have a bit more fun with it more than anything yeah how do you deal with that pressure and that as a professional athlete and then i want to talk to you about something else in a minute but how did you deal with it being yeah look it's like anything it's an apprenticeship you know when you first sort of get in the series and i mean pressure gets released or with confidence and winning races doesn't it but before you can win races you gotta win the race and and that's where the pressure starts so I mean, when I was young, I always had a lot of natural talent and stuff like that. I used to win the odd race here and there, but I certainly had a lot of doubts in myself and a lot of doubts in belief, you know, like a natural kid. Like nobody ever thinks that they're a star, even when they are a star. You know, it takes a long time to really sort of set in. You sort of, you've got that mindset and, you know, you stay positive and you tell yourself you want to win and stuff like that. But it's actually, this is one thing to sort of tell yourself you want to win and you're the best. And it's another thing to actually be the best and to know that. It's hard though, isn't it? It's hard to actually really sit there because you're probably always thinking, I've got to get to the next thing. I want to achieve the next goal. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You never got to hit the ceiling. It's like very rare. I remember in past coaches used to say that I would never spend time celebrating wins. I'd always focus on losses or mistakes. And it's such a weird thing. Like I think as an athlete, when you do win, you love it and you celebrate or whatever, but you almost you expect it. You don't take time to appreciate how good or how special it was. Looking back when you retire, it's all done. You only get those moments in the moment and, you know, you really want to sort of take that in and and appreciate that and be thankful for that when they happen because there's so few and far between. But, like, when when you have a loss or you stuff up a race, have a shit race or whatever, as an athlete, you really sit on it and mentally dwell on it for a long time and it's not really a good thing. It's a good thing to analyze or be aware of your mistakes or where you can be better but it's not a good thing to sit on there and dwell on the result because you can't change the result you can only change what you did wrong in that race moving forward sort of thing and and i was pretty bad at that and even still bad at that i'd always be like fuck if i did this i might have finished there or this might have happened it's like you know it's such a negative thing because you can't change what's happened you can only not do it again or be aware of the mistake and work on that in the future you know so yeah, it is a tough one because I didn't always have confidence and belief in myself. I guess I got that through working hard, training hard. I think one of the best ways to deal with pressure is just knowing that you haven't left any stone unturned. If you train your absolute 100%, you don't miss sessions, you're committing, you're 100%. That in itself releases pressure because you kind of get that mentality, well, well first you're going to be so fit and fast that you know that you're on pace or whatever. But also you kind of like, if you don't have that sort of thought in your head of, oh, well, like I could have done more in the lead up to this, then it does release a bit of pressure for itself because you know that you've 
given it your 100%. You haven't taken shortcuts. You haven't missed sessions, you know, like that. With that, helps to release pressure for sure as well. Mate, I agree. I've struggled with that too, man, where you berate yourself around the negative stuff, the things that didn't go well or the results that you didn't get, but you never really sit there and be proud of the moments that did go well. It's kind of like when you're in those moments where you won or something really good in your life's happened, you're generally like, yeah, it's cool for a minute and you've done it and that sort of stuff. But then it's kind of like you're focused on the next thing. I find myself in that too. And I got to like really try and understand and cherish that moment that you're in. I feel like most of us are always thinking about what's happening next and like what's happening in the future. And that can make that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you it can be a very toxic cycle in itself you know because like you said it's few and far between and this is one part of your journey and now you've got this whole new chapter of your life that's about to start for the people listening you know that i'm sure people are struggling without always looking at the negatives in their life but never really being grateful for the things that they've been able to do like getting up out of bed in the morning some people who are listening probably can't even get up out of bed every morning sometimes you know because they're struggling with their mental health and then there are people that, you know, are looking for that job promotion or crushing it at work or started a new project or doing a new business. And it might be going amazing, but one thing out of the 10 things has gone shit and it's all shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely a personality type for sure. Perfectionistic. And that's athletes, isn't it? Like athletes don't want to hear that they want a race and that's as good as it gets. They are always looking for the next win and how they can be better, like how they can win by even more, like. It's never enough, is it? Nah, mate, it's, it's hard. I think it's about being content. And, I, I, mate, I'm trying to master that skill every single day because, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm kind of the same. It's like if I've achieved something, I want the next thing. I need to be better than what I was yesterday. But as long as you're putting in 100% and you know that you've put it all on the table, if that's what you've done, you should be proud of that. And whatever happens from that, you learn from it, you know, for the next time so you don't make that same mistake twice. The careers transitioning through to the family life, obviously, you, you're recently engaged to Temi. For the people who don't know, obviously, your fiance Tammy Hembrow, she's very successful. She's been in the limelight for many years. What's that like, mate, as a partner? And I know you've always been in the limelight for quite a number of years with your profession. But like, is there pressure that comes from that social image or being attacked on social media and stuff like that? Like, no, far from positive. It's as you sort of said, it's almost there's more negative than there is positive in ways social media for sure. I've come from being a professional athlete my entire career long before I sort of met Tammy and everything, all the interactions that I have, well, not all, but 90, 95% of my interactions with fans and people on social media is all positive. And I've been one of the most controversial athletes of our sport. I've had big run-ins with Shannon Eckstein and stuff like that. And I've always been the guy that sort of calls it as it is and wears my heart on my sleeve. So I've definitely copped a lot of flack, but 
you also have a lot of fans and a lot of people in sport always sort of understand it's a high pressure, high tense situation and athletes are athletes. But at the end of the day, we always cross the finish line as long as you shake the, the bloke's hand and things like that. Nearly always in sport, you know, whether they lose a Super Bowl, lose a grand final, whatever it is, once the full-time bell's gone, they all shake hands and it's all, you know, you put it behind you, you have a beer and you laugh about it at the end of the day sort of thing. And that's what my whole life was up until sort of meeting Tammy. And then you get into this social media influencer space and it's just so intense. I don't see how it's sustainable for girls and guys to want to be that or to live that lifestyle where they are literally just hovering over other people's accounts, wanting what they want, wanting their followers, their likes, posting the same photos as them. And, you know, it's, it's such a different world nowadays. It hasn't, it's just like this new world like of social media where like you can be famous now from posting raunchy or, or next to nothing photos in a bathroom mirror. That concept to me is crazy. And they cop so much flack and heat from it as well. I know through me dating Tammy, I get, you know, blokes writing me messages all the time. I Like you just delete them straight away, don't even open them. But you can see from the first couple of words that show up, they're not there to be a mate. So I couldn't imagine what she sort of cops. You know, she has a lot of fans, a lot of followers, but there's a lot of negative as well. And it's such a um, dangerous space, to be honest, at the moment, because it takes a thick skin or a certain type of personality to be able to just literally block that out and pay zero attention to it. Which is a skill in itself, man, which is a skill in itself. That's very hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's a dangerous world for people to get into because the more fame you get, the more haters you're going to get. So you have to be prepared that it's not all bells and whistles. There's a lot of shit that comes with it. So you need to be prepared to take all that on as well. And for me, it's sort of changed my image and the person that I am on social media. I'm a lot more sort of careful around things I'm posting and how that would affect Tammy and and stuff like that and it's a huge adjustment you know so I'm still sort of learning and adapting to all that to be honest you will it's it's just a learning thing but like you said it takes a lot of thick skin and understanding but I think what we mentioned earlier is probably just about keeping your circle really trustworthy and having the right people in your life the beauty of it too is is exactly that it's just it's a couple of apps mate if it gets that bad delete them off your fucking phone it's gone and the minute you stop opening Instagram I think it's amazing like how much you realize there's life and that's not life. That's it. And it's just managing it, but having, having the good friendships, having the good people in your life, obviously, mate, you guys are very successful in what you do. And obviously you've got some great things to look forward to with with the family and everything else. And, and I'm sure whatever the, the life has for you, then the next chapter, business, any any business things happening for you, mate, after the Ironman career? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've actually got a really exciting job role. I've just started with Therabody. So Therabody's massive company in. Initially, I started with the Theragun, but now they're everything. They're everything from the recovery air, recovery boots. They've got TENS machines. They've got the CBD oils. They've got all sorts of stuff. So they're basically like one-stop shop for recovery. And so I've started with Therabody. Community now basically a brand manager for Therabody, and I'm specializing sort of ocean events. So it'll be surfing events. Um, it'll be ocean ski paddling and also surf lifesaving. They're partnered up with the Summer of Surf. Yeah, look, I'm still learning. It's literally day one was um, for me yesterday. They didn't give me much time off after the career, straight into it, uh, straight into the corporate world, which is uh, a new challenge, but it's exciting. Do you actually go into like a, an office or is it, are you out in the car driving around building relationships? Well, the office is in Melbourne. So at the moment I'm at home on the laptop and um, I'm getting familiar with all that. They're, they're going to break me into it all pretty slowly. But one of the biggest things 
with them that I'm so excited about is that they still want me to be an ambassador for health and fitness and, and doing everything that I do in the sporting world. So I've retired from professional sports, but I'm still working with a lot of my brands, whether it be you know, Yopro, Athletic Sports, Shoren Partners, Gravity Seltzer, all these brands are um, actually looking to transition into more of a, a health and lifestyle sort of role where I'll use my social media and I'll be doing a lot of things that, yeah, I'll, I'll be announcing that sort of in the coming months and still working on the finer details with my coach. But I'm certainly still well and truly going to be in the health and fitness space and it'll be around a lot of running and ocean swims and things like that. But I can't just let myself slide into a dad bod just yet. No, no, mate. You've got to stay busy. But, it, mate, it sounds like a perfect transition. It's in the field that you're already in. You still can work with your sponsors and you can still be around the same sort of community that you've been accustomed to for the last you know 15 years i think what you've done in your career has been unreal and i think you should be proud of you know the things that you've achieved and you know we, we always say to people look back and reminisce on the good times that you've done and what you've achieved and be proud of those things you know man because sometimes we forget them and we just try and carry on with life and we don't kind of remember the good things that we've done still so surreal like i said like last weekend i had you know probably one of the most of my career, for sure, last weekend was the most special win ever, you know. I talked about the the series title was probably the highlight of my career, but last weekend, for sure, was the most special. Like, last ever professional series race I do, massive surf and biggest paycheck of my career, 20 grand in, you know, 15 minutes wasn't bad. So it was a good little day and, and I had all my family and friends and everyone was there to support me and I'll never forget that just because the whole day, literally, like even running out to the start line, they did a big sort of... um retirement speech for me i ran down to a big guard of honor they had all the athletes and everyone sort of lined up and called me up the start line so it was, it was a real special day before i'd even won you know and then to win it was just crazy that it sort of finished like that the fairy tale what about that for a finish mate that's unreal so as we come to a close mate and i know you've got things to do and people to see and whatnot during your day and i just want to say appreciate the time it's been an absolute real pleasure mate if wisdom bombs on here bro i'm really grateful one last thing what's the one thing that you reckon you've learned over the course of your professional career and the sport that you've been working on since you've been what five or six years of age i think resilience i think resilience is the biggest thing like people have this weird idea that everyone's life or even their own should be perfect and that nothing will ever go wrong and the ultimate truth bomb is as an athlete i can promise you there isn't an athlete in any sport anywhere in the world that's one more races, games, whatever it is, then they've lost. The losses will far outweigh the wins, but that doesn't make it that you're a loser. It doesn't mean anything at all. You might have one race win. You might have none. You might have one. You might have a million, you know, whatever races or wins in your entire life. But the ultimate thing is you can lose a race, but don't lose the lesson. So you need to learn from that always. All these little chip shots or setbacks or things you lose or don't go right, learn from it like use it as a tool that you can be upset or sad but you know you might lose the race don't lose the lesson i can stay as an athlete i would have done thousands of races over my career but you know you only win x amount again see the losses outweigh by number the wins but looking back at it now you forget the losses because they were nothing but you remember the wins what a wonderful piece of advice to leave with everyone right now and i appreciate your time on behalf of Living Mate, thanks very much. Um, we'll share your socials and where people can find you in the show notes. Mate, without further ado, big love. Appreciate your time, brother. And we'll speak soon. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, 
share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. But in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day.